Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian, and this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about our favorite spooky stuff. And this week, I am joined by friend, artist, and late 90s, early 2000s vampire enthusiast, <laughs> Glenna <laughs> Brocken. How are you? Hi, I'm good. That's a great intro. Thank you. Like, that is it. I'm an enthusiast for that specific genre and era. Of the vampire? It's a new... It's a new day for me. It to was. Claim that. It was like a little. I mean, we'll talk about it in the episode, but that was a moment for vampires. You know, this like postmodern. Let's relook at it and make them like edgy. You know, instead of gothic yeah. romance. But yeah, welcome to the yeah. podcast, <laughs> Glenna. You've been a friend of mine for years. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? What 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 are you up to? Sure. I am Glenna, and I live in New York. I'm an artist and a writer and an actor. Um, and I love friendship. So this is a great <laughs> honor and joy to be talking with a friend on their podcast. For, I think, maybe even a year, we, we've been talking about doing this episode, you know, ever since yeah. putting feelers out like, hey, who wants to talk about spooky stuff? And you're like, Blade. And we finally, <laughs> <laughs> we finally got around to it. So I'm glad we're here. But like always, this is a spooky podcast and we like to have spooky mm-hmm. conversations. So we love to start things off with asking, how spooky was your week? So, Glenna, how spooky was your week? How spooky was my week? You know, I would say last night was a little bit spooky. I was walking. So, I was hanging out with our friend Casey. You know Mm -hmm. Casey. Hanging out with a friend of mine, Casey. I went to work at a theater job real quick. And I was on my way back home. And I stopped by Casey's again. And I stayed until like 10. But 10 p.m. last night was very, very foggy. Mm-hmm. And I left and I was like, should I take the train or should I walk? And I said out loud, I had a bad feeling about both. And Casey <laughs> was like, do you want to stay? And I was like, no, I got to feed the cats. Bye. <laughs> and so I decided to walk and nothing happened. But, but it was pretty it was, spooky. It was pretty spooky. Just like. When you're like, the the fog is here, the mood is right, anything could happen. And I had an umbrella and I gripped that umbrella ready to strike. And I was just playing scenes from Blade in my head. (laughs) Ready to go. Just hit somebody a bunch real fast. You had your garlic spray just like ready to whip out. My silver, what is it? Silver nitrate. What did they call it? Silver nitrate. You mean the garlic garlic spray? Yeah. 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 It was just a bad, which I feel like would just upset anyone's eyes, you know, like. Oh, yeah. For that anyone's that eyes, stuff. they're going to be upset. Vampires and humans. We talked about that. The raw garlic in a wound. It hurts. It's an antiseptic. So you're absolutely right. Garlic in the eye would be bad. So not a good way to differentiate who's a vampire or not, because everything <laughs> it hurts everyone. Uh, I'm sorry that happened. I'm glad that everything was oh, all fine. Me too. Thanks. What about you? How spooky was my week? Well, we've been doing a lot of research for this. We're getting caught up on our book club. We have a book club, Glenna. I know oh, you yes. knew. Uh, this month we are reading 
Don't Fear the Reaper, which is a sequel to My Heart is a Chainsaw, which is a book we read a couple years ago. So it's our first sequel book. Uh, and it's very fun. And it's very, um, which I think you'll love. It's very like 90s slasher. It's got like urban legend vibes because they're, they're oh, like stuck in a snowstorm. Yeah. And part of my book, they're like in a gymnasium um, and things are getting picked you know, after hours school slasher is is a check mark for me on you know, like <laughs> yep, I can get behind that anything in that category. I also last night, speaking of that era, I watched uh, I had a double feature of like um, Dark Castle movies. There was like that moment of, and I feel like we should just do a whole episode on that, like that shining moment where we all like dunked on it at the time, but we didn't realize what we had. I watched The Faculty, and I watched. Oh yes. The uh, remake of The House on Haunted Hill, the one with um, Jeffrey Rush. But yeah, I watched them both and I had a blast. Like what a kooky, wild time for movies. And we weren't fair to them. We were not kind. And now we don't have these movies anymore. (laughs) These like really zany, like I'm watching House on Haunted Hill and there's like, like some of the, the, the gore is so like campy and cartoony you know like it's scary it's like Mm -hmm. oh that's upsetting but it's also like like the the house took one of the victims put them like each of their body parts on like in a medical display cabinet and like an arrangement and like just like that's a perfect example of like this is so goofy but like and it's like upsetting and scary because like oh no they got her but we just take it all too seriously now you know and Mm -hmm. anyway that's my rant my rant um I, that I was my so spooky week. It's just like, yeah, just my spooky week of like missing, missing a better time, you know, when I was 13. <laughs> and <laughs> We couldn't appreciate it as like a creative exercise. Right. Yeah. Of like how many ways, like, I feel like that's all Final Destinations movies are. It's mm-hmm. a creative exercise in death. How many ways can a person... And I think there's a lot of fun, especially like in the, like the special effects and like the makeup and the cot, like the Mm -hmm. the creature effects and all that. There's like, it's a a lot of fun and I miss it. Let's camp it up a little bit. Anyway, that was my spooky week. And this is a great segue into talking about this topic this week, which is the whole blade film trilogy. uh, We're going to dive into because um, I I watched for the first time, admittedly, I watched all three for the first time this week and these were eye-opening like why <laughs> where have i been these are amazing films amazing pieces of film uh that uh, <laughs> tell, uh, tell me more well i will after our break okay. we're gonna quick head to our sponsors which is spotify for podcasters yeah that's what it is it's uh it's replaced anchor spotify for podcasters and let's hear a little bit about it from my you know voice from the past right now Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're talking. And we're back. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> don't, don't worry about 
it's from an SNL sketch. Don't <laughs> 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 so I just wanted to say it into a microphone. Well, now it's uh, immortalized in this podcast forever. <laughs> Scientists in the future, when they stumble on the Happy Harvest Horror Show, they're gonna know. Welcome. Okay, so it. we're talking. We're talking Blade. We're talking the Blade f- franchise today. How should we start this? Let's start from just like an overview of like Glenna. What What does Blade mean to you? What Why? You know, when I was yeah. like, Hey, let's talk about spooky stuff. Yeah. What brought you to say Blade? First and foremost, I need to talk about it. Here's. What happened with Blade for me? Here's how Blade came into my life. It was 2021, which mm-hmm. I think was the strangest, worst year of our collective lives of COVID. And I don't, I can't conceptualize 2021 from 2022 anymore. It's really strange the way time has elapsed. Mm-hmm. And in my, within my germ pod, we, we were potted up for a while. Um, and it was me and my two roommates and my roommate's partner. And we all just watched a lot of TV together. I believe you know we watched a lot of Ink Master. Hell yeah. Um, Which got us into Ink Master, so thank you. <laughs> you know, Shout out to Ink Master. Um, <laughs> and there was a night where Jeff was like, let's watch Blade. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I think Jeff and Casey and I watched like one, two, three, three nights in a row. And I had the same revelation you did of just like this is amazing like (laughs) this is amazing and i'm just gonna stake this claim right now that and it's going to be a recurring bias in this episode i think i think wesley snipes is amazing Mm -hmm. and so when we get into like some of the hot goss like i'm interested in how i will um reveal myself to be very biased about how uh he can do no wrong um (laughs) because he's a star (laughs) (laughs) but he um yeah the movies are just amazing and i think it's interesting that the things you watch when you're in a really tough time in your life and the way you sort of like bond with them it's it was also amazing to watch you watch the movies for the first time yeah you're so right it is definitely linked to like as a somewhat nostalgia era because this was 96 Mm -hmm. and first one yeah that was like the, that was also like the year that gave us the mummy, wasn't it? Yeah, no, where was the mummy? Also, 98, 98. I just want to, for all those fact checkers out there, you know. No, please. Yeah, keep me, keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, and then the, the first mummy movie was 99. What is my deal with 1996? Why do you I just, think? Your, your death, well, was that Scream? Was, was that 96? Oh, yes. Please, please let me be. 96. There it is. Okay. So you're well, right. Y- Scream was okay. 96 and 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 this is all like 90s horror is thank you Scream. <laughs> you know, thank you for bringing us here. And so I think maybe when you put out the feelers I had just watched all three of them. And you were and... like, "Oh, we got to talk about Blade." Well, I'm glad you did because now we now we're here, we're talking about it and having this like kind of a, a little bit larger conversation about that time and that era. Um because I mean, we can talk about 90s horror and what a fun, you know, all the slashers the I know what you did last summer, the screams, the urban legends, like there's like a very much like a, a hot young cast all gets together and they're, you know, all playing teenagers and they're 30, you know, it's like, there was like a fun era yeah. of horror <laughs> <laughs> that was like kind of light on horror, but like heavy on like, you know, fun. Um, mm-hmm. And then we got into, I feel like there's like this dark castle series, all the dimension movies, the final destinations, the, 
Um, like I was talking about earlier, like the faculty, the the House of Wax remake, the House on Haunted Hill remake, the, the, the were things like got a little more gnarly, a little but a little still fun. It's still like the residual of the '90s fun was still there until you know, but it was a short-lived like bridging time because after that we got into 2001 and after. And after that was just like bleak, you know, like torture porn. So like, mm-hmm. like we lost the fun and kept like the gnarly in that little in between. And I just think there's like, we just had an episode on liminal horrors and that was very much a liminal time between of, of horror that like, that kept the, the young fun cast, but like up the gore just a little bit more into like camp and and then we just kept the gore for the next decade and lost the fun. So I think the Blade series is definitely a even it's it's like a fun time capsule on that, too, because the 98 film is very much in there. The two, the Blade 2 we'll get into, I feel like is like the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. And then the 2004 <laughs> Blade Trinity is like it, even better, like example of like we've lost it. We've lost what the first two, you know, the plot yes, of it all. Um, and we've leaned into this like edgy shock humor sort of like era that like didn't work, you know, and felt a little bad, yeah. but um it felt real bad. Yeah. It is such a stark contrast and cutoff. And yeah, I can't wait to get into Blade Trinity. And um, a lot of the thoughts betrayal. on Blade Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolute betrayal. <laughs> from a lot of people in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, let's start. Let's dive into these movies because it's they're so fun. Um, I'm excited to talk about them. We can start with Blade. The first one came out in 98. This movie starring Wesley Snipes um, is about, oh, if you don't know about the entire Blade series, he is a vampire hunter, but he himself is not a vampire. He's actually, I didn't realize this until Googling that, that he's this like hybrid called a Dampier, which is a human with vampire strengths, but not their weaknesses. Um, oh, there's a name for it. There is a name for it. There's even this like, it is uh, a Balkan folklore. A Dampier uh, are creatures that result between the union of a vampire and a human. Um, the union is usually between male vampires and female vampires with stories of female vampires mating with male humans being rare. So there is like folklore behind this and what he is. And in the original yeah. comics, he was, which came out in the seventies, the character was first introduced in the tomb of Dracula uh, of Marvel comics. The, mm-hmm. the character was created by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. And in the comic, he was just since he was born from a vampire. The the, the origin story was the same as uh, he. Their mother was bit during labor, and so then he was born. Mm-hmm. And he was in the comics just immune to becoming a vampire. He didn't have any powers. He was just that was his oh. that was his shtick. He could hunt vampires because he could never get turned into one. Um, but in the movie version, okay. uh, they brought it up to nineties speed, gave him a little little extra edge. You know, and gave, gave him, him some superpowers. Give him some superpowers, and also a longer sword. In the comics, he just had wooden knives. His, that was his thing. Oh. But in the movie, they gave him one big knife, a sword. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one big old knife. <laughs> so those are the kind of yeah, those are the, the the differences between comics and how we got to this. Um, before we get into That's it, really interesting. Yeah, before the movie, it's also interesting that that Wesley Snipes, this was also kind of the result of years of him trying to get a Black Panther movie made and failed to get it made. 
Um, and, and then this came about this kind that kind of, kind of laid the groundwork before. Yeah. Um, development new world pictures originally bought the rights from Marvel comics and it was going to set, it was going to be like a Mexico set Western starring Richard Roundtree that didn't happen. Uh, so then Marvel studios started to develop a new film in 92 with LL Cool J tentatively introduced interested in the role that also Mm -hmm. didn't happen. And then finally new line cinema got it with David S. Goyer who wrote all three of the movies penning the script. And that's when Wesley Snipes came in. Um, Interesting that new line cinema at the time uh, was interested in making this movie almost like a spoof that Goyer was like adamant to like, no, we're not going to do it that way. Uh, They also Mm. like, they they wanted to do a lot of different like editing of the comic, including making Blade uh, asking if Blade could be white. Goyer said no, can't can't no 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 no. no, no. Uh, so respect for all of that to keep it to the source material. Um, and then finally Wesley Snipes came on in '96, and the movie came out in '98. So there's a little behind the scenes on how the movie actually happened. Uh, it's mm. fun fun little history. Blade one. What what were your thoughts on the first Blade movie? The first blade. Well, <laughs> the first blade. <laughs> she looks off into the sunset. <laughs> well, it's interesting because as you were talking about the comic, um, and the difference between comic blade and Wesley Snipes movie blade, sexy movie star superpowers, I was wondering why they changed the um because in Blade, within mm. the Blade universe. The vampires are not, they cannot be staked with wood. Everybody mm. repeatedly says, like, stakes don't do shit. Gotta and be they silver. Make it very yeah. clear. Yes, that it has to be silver. And and then there's also this this spray that is used sometimes. It's a sil- silver nitrate garlic combo, which Brian and I were talking about how like that would upset absolutely anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It would feel terrible. It makes me think um, of like like w- testing if someone's a witch and like throw her in a pond and if she sinks, she's not a witch. It's like, well, like yeah, that. Thanks. <laughs> she's right? dead. Yeah. I <laughs> wasn't a very good test, you know? Like <laughs> you guys. So so I wonder what the impetus was to change that. If it was just that, you know, within the movie, we were sort of getting a little bit of story on how they keep their operation moving because silver is expensive. Uh, I feel like everything they do had to cost a lot. And, you know, we at one point see Wesley Snipes like pawning some things mm-hmm. that I believe were stolen. Yeah. Um, He's got to keep his operation going. Got to keep the operation going. And we're just talking like jewelry, you know, it's not. It's He's not stealing their Rolexes because everyone's crazy. got Rolexes. Everybody's in New York's got Rolex. That's another thing. The first one was very clearly New York, and we'll get into like the confusion of where Trinity took place. Yeah, I wonder why they changed that sort of like lore. Maybe to just like maybe to get away from the camp. You know? Yeah, I do know. Yeah, in the development. Goyer had said that he wanted to just demystify vampires and, quote, treat them as serious villains with a greater sense of realism instead of doomed romantic characters that Anne Rice made popular with, like, Interview with Vampire and um, Queen of the Damned. So I guess they're trying to get away from that. And I guess maybe making it silver is just a little more metal. I mean, literally, it is, <laughs> you know, metal, dude, yeah, metal, dude. 
Um, That's true. And it does make them more threatening and more dangerous. It feels a little more helpless. Like silver stakes are kind of hard to come by. I would assume, you know, they're expensive. They're who's going to make it, you know? And whereas like a wooden stake, I think those are pretty widely available. It's also, I'm realizing now, because I was thinking of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's the Mm -hmm. same era. And it's, you know, speaking of like tortured romantic characters, I feel like this was an era for vampires to be like uh, 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 conflicted, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Because like Blade is half vampire, half human. And they're always like the thirst, Blade. You (laughs) know the thirst. (laughs) And same thing with like Buffy characters of like there were these vampires that would come along who were sort of like, I don't want to be this way. But I am how that's just sort of an interesting. Um, I agree. I don't know. Yeah, I think this like, uh, well, one of them adds more drama to the movie for sure. That like, mm-hmm. uh, if you're just going to make like the actual 1970s comic version of Blade, it's just a dude that like really hates vampires. You know, yeah. but, like he's almost like a Batman for vampires. <laughs> you know, like he can't become one, but he's he doesn't have any superpowers. So yeah, I think that adding this like thirst angle is is really interesting. And there's just like my gosh, this was such a hot time for vampires. Like this is before I think Twilight kind of like not I know Corey on the podcast, she's a big fan of Twilight. Um I but I do think that like there's like this argument on genre uh, that like things go in cycles and once you get to spoof the cycle kind of stops for a while that like westerns were really hot until blazing saddles came out and then they're like i can't we do it can't do a western anymore they're making fun of it you know whereas Mm -hmm. when we got to like twilight you know we had all we had from dust till dawn we had the interview with the vampire we had um, the blade trilogy we had there's like a lot of like edgy vampire movies in the like the late 90s early 2000s and then we got to twilight which kind of changed it again to make them like back to tortured romantic you know characters and then like no one kind of touched vampires for a while and i'm not saying twilight's a spoof because it's not but i think a lot of people dunked on twilight and made fun of it absolutely and so it was maybe it wasn't too cool to make vampires for a while um that's a really good point because i think at the same time like true blood was happening and like yes that ended and yeah there hasn't i mean there's been like vampire diaries but i don't think that i feel like that's so specific to like teens and young and and yeah they they went back to white or not went back they went to ya sort of uh romance dark romances you know which they were sequestered it's just an observation. Like it could be great. And yeah. I hear Vampire Diaries is a lot of fun. I've never seen it, but like, um, <laughs> just an observation I've also of like never how we seen it. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Walls has seen it. I think I bet mm. she has. <laughs> She's seen a lot. <laughs> she sees a lot. I don't. Think, yeah, I just feel like that sounds coded, but I just mean she has a wide interest of of content. I know um, no one else with an interest in Mormon mothers. Other like than Walls. Yeah. I know yeah. a lot about Mormon mothers now, thanks to her. Um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So uh, going back, getting back to vampires. Yeah, you sorry. Know, <laughs> yeah. So getting back to the first Blade movie, it was um, funny to note that after it was made, the original cut was 140 minutes long. Two hours and 20 minutes, and it had a disastrous test screening with audiences. Um, and the, <gasps> had to do heavy edits and reshoots, with which caused the release date to be delayed by more than half a year. 
And the most notable change was the actual ending, which I showed you right before we started recording, that the original ending had Blade, our titular character, fighting against Deacon Frost, which we haven't even talked about the story of it, this movie. We're just talking about the, the production. We can real quick, let's talk about Blade is a vampire hunter and Deacon Frost is a is he a, is he a pure blood against that's he was it. Turned. That's which it. Which is I was confused by this concept a little bit because here's the thing. I'm like, there's, you know, the vampire council in this movie is like, we are pure blood. You're trash because you were just turned into a vampire. But then like, like, how do you, are you born a vampire and then you grow up to a certain age? Yeah, they weren't clear on how people... If they were pure bloods and they were like born vampires, where where did they get little little vampire uh, eggs? You know, like well, how did yeah. how did that happen? Um, they were little vampire babies, and then they aged into a certain point, and then you know what I mean. And it's then they like, stopped aging. Yeah, confusing. Unclear. Yeah, now I'm confused. <laughs> Maybe they explained it in the movie, and I just missed it, or we both missed it. But but yeah, the 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 main drama of the movie is Deacon Frost is a. Deacon Frost is a turned vampire, not a born vampire. And he's Mm -hmm. rebelling against the vampire council and their elitist uh, ideas. And the vampire underworld um, wants to, what is his goal here? I can't remember what his goal was. I was thinking about this right before we started recording. And it's, it seems like the status quo of the vampire world and their like secrecy has only been maintained because it's the status quo. Like that's yeah. the impression we get from uh-huh. the council and Deacon Frost comes along. Apparently the first vampire ever to be like, we should be ruling the humans. Gotcha. Yes. Like, he wants to incite this over. war between vampires and humans. And they, yeah. And the vampire council is very much like, no, we, we, we survive because of our secrecy, um, which is very much the, the, the premise of, Vampire the Masquerade, which is another like big tabletop RPG that had a lot of fun oh. entries in the the early 2000s. Have you ever heard of Vampire the Masquerade? No. Um, it's super fun. The whole point about it is is it's a tabletop RPG and you can make your own characters, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but you have to ab- adhere to the Masquerade, which is this like vampire law that like uh, it's punishable by you know final death if you almost like the wizarding world in harry potter if you reveal our world to them um and so it's it's a fun like challenge that like you have to maintain like your thirst level and all this different stuff while keeping the secret going and it's like there's all these political you know princes in each that own each city and anyway it's really fun um which mm-hmm. it, it that i bring all that up and describe that because it feels yes. just like this that like this Deacon Frost is very much trying to break, quote, the masquerade. Um, yes. Oh, that's appropriate, a masquerade. And right? I feel like that's what he would call it. The thing is, though, so we see Deacon Frost in this, like, it's a little unclear where, like, each thing is taking place. He's like, like in, in at one point, he's like in a loft that looks like a very fancy apartment. I guess that's his apartment. But then at one point, he's like, in the basement of a building and it's like very do you remember when he's like in that white room and and he's listening to music and the head vampire council guy comes in 
and there's a computer running a program because yeah. it's 1998, baby. And oh, yeah. the internet's here and so are computers. And they're in a lot of plots now. And the, the guy comes in and he's like, oh, you're trying to crack this code. Nobody can do it. You're, this is useless. Yeah, he's trying to and use modern this- technology to like decipher yeah. ancient vampire text, right? That like, yes, and he's running okay, simulations yeah, yeah. Um, yes. to get the secrets to which we find out at the end to bring back this blood god uh that can help aid in this war between humans and vampires it's funny you bring up that because i'd also brought up another thought i had when we were watching it that that how little authority that the vampire council seemed to have that they were just like a bunch of old wigs sitting at a table and udo career not udo career he was the head of them um this deacon frost guy would come in and being like i'm gonna fucking uproot all of this and kill all of you and they were all like oh you better not you know and yes. <laughs> <laughs> you better not you're trash <laughs> you better not. but like it's it like in this effort to like make vampires like scary and serious like i had there were no stakes on that vampire underworld you know like that was that was a boardroom meeting um of of little consequence yeah, I think, and that's what I mean. Like, it seems like their status quo was only maintained by like rules. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I agree. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, low stakes. And honestly, they could have leaned a little harder because watching it this time, there, it was like a little bit, there were some notes of like homoerotica happening mm-hmm. between Udo Creer and Deacon Frost. And like, it seemed sometimes like Udo Creer like wouldn't unleash. I don't know, maybe I'm projecting this onto it, but it felt like there was like an allure to Deacon Frost. And I think in the 90s, America was still like not super. I mean, what am I saying? Please edit that out. America's still not really cool with homosexuality. (laughs) The movie, first movie in all its strengths was also a big old coward. For, for pulling the back on that one. I mean, we, same with Scream. We always talk about Billy and Stu in the first oh, Scream movie, you know, like clearly, you know, <laughs> like clearly they want to bang, but just let them bang. Yeah. Um, just let them. Yeah. I I think you're onto something there in like, you know, in the, the actors portray it in the performance, there's very much maybe a charged sexual tension, but like there is probably like, that's interesting that Udo Creer would wants this, like this young life, from from deacon that like he's got like ambitions and goals and udo is probably for thousands of years like kept the status quo and so there's like there's an allure to like breaking the rules you know a little bit i think that's a fun mm-hmm. fun observation but it did get gets him killed in like kind of like a gnarly way for all his like we're not going to change anything you know we're head of the vampire council he does nothing to stop his own death which me which means that deacon frost and his friends kidnap him at one point bring him out to a uh a sunrise, which is not great um, for vampires. Uh, but don't worry, Deacon Frost and his friends are immune to the sun because they put on a lot of sunblock and, and <laughs> motorcycle helmets. So, like, <laughs> that was well, my favorite think- part. The zinc is, yeah. the, is the key. You know, that's the <laughs> – you can survive anything. Yeah, because later he does appear in full daylight. And and Blade is just like sunblock. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1998 for vampires to go. Fuck, we could have been 
sunblock you know like we could have been doing this for years dude it's so funny they could have at least given him like an umbrella or something you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. it was a little yeah because the whole point the whole point is that like deacon wants everybody to be a day walker right or is that not yeah uh, well, that no. was that, that he he just wants a second. he wants a war between the two, and he wants them to have dominance. I think the daywalker bit comes in the next two, right? That like, yeah, yeah. That that's a huge point in the next couple ones. They they want to make all their vampires daywalkers and like evolved vampires yes. that don't have the limitations. But it's it's goofy how they like tiptoe around this. Like the rules are yeah. are there's no rules anymore for vampires except for the sun bit and even that I don't know if you've got like SPF hundred you should probably probably be okay you know <laughs> I know like they he truly was just walking around absolutely fine it's Mid- very uh, middle of very the park silly. middle of the park <laughs> yeah it is goofy it was goofy but he so that's mm-hmm. the story blade um, oh yeah taking on deacon because he doesn't really differentiate they're all vampires he hates them all he's got like a fanatical yeah. hatred for all vampires uh resulting uh oh. from his own history his mother was turned into a vampire and he believed his mother was dead and so he's like on this kind of crusade for revenge which then brings us to like a real big twist at the end, we find out that his mother survived all along and she was a vampire and fully like gave up her son because she doesn't care. Uh, and was like mm. all in on the Deacon Frost vampire uprising. Uh, yes, because we find out it because, okay. So yeah, blade. What is it? Oh man, I'm going to ruin this. But at one point Deacon is like, yeah, you've been looking your whole life for the guy that bit your mom. And here he is. And it's it's Deacon Frost, which is like, oh, crap. But it is. It is Deacon Frost. And they're like being very sexy together, Deacon and Blade's Mm -hmm. mom. It gets pretty for, you know, a Marvel movie has never again been able to get this Oedipal. Thank God. Because (laughs) she kind of gets sexy, sexy towards her son. Like how confusing. How yeah. confusing to be like trapped, you know, because he gets trapped at the end during this like big twist and reveal and betrayal. And they need his blood to bring back this blood god that can, you know, mm-hmm. be such a powerful boon in this efforts uh, to take over this, you know, status quo. But during this time where he's essentially like crucified, <laughs> he has oh, his god, like yeah. vampire mother that he is largely based his life on revenge on very much alive or undead and well and getting very close and very sensual <laughs> and very confusing like i remember watching this it was with you and i was like screaming i was like i this is, this is the worst tuesday night he's ever had you know like <laughs> <laughs> how confusing yeah um, just not a, yeah, the worst day of his life. Like finds out his mom is alive, didn't want him, and then she's like an inch from his face. She's like n- like r- nuzzling against his lips, yeah. like touching his body, and he's just oh man, I, I'm sure. I'm I mean, I it looked like it at the moment. He's like, kill me now. Like this is yeah. all assault or not? Uh, but don't worry. He's got he's got allies that come in hot. Come in hot. Uh yeah. save that help him break out, save the day. And that leads to this final confrontation with the big 
uh, resurrected vampire, the, the little blood god. Lamagra? Is that what it was called? Yeah, I believe so. Deacon's like, I'm Lamagra. That's right. Lamagra. That's right. Um, yeah, I wonder what is that? Does that translate to anything? Probably not. Let me let me look it up. Krav Maga. What is Lamagra? It means low water. Interesting. Interesting. I have to see this for my own eyes. Okay, the first thing that pops up for me is Deacon Frost. So Lamagra. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And I this is off to like a just a basic yeah. Google search. What is Lamagra in English? And they say low water. So I don't know if it, how true that is, but Blade is able to defeat defeat Lamagra using his own serum. So. No, no, no. It's not his serum. What is it? I what, don't what, believe. What it is is so our okay. So oh, our hematologist. Time, she made their own their own hemat- little. Yes. Yes. Okay. When she was trying to cure herself, because in the very beginning she is bitten, and that is why Blade rescues her. He is looking at her on the ground, and he's like, "I can't leave this woman," because he has like a flashback to his own mother. Which I was also like, right, okay, way back in the blood rave, infamous blood rave at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. There's one human running around in the place, scared for his life. And Blade, before he leaves, checks this guy's neck because if he's bitten, he's going to kill him. Right. And so it's interesting to me that, and the only thing I can justify is that he didn't want to deal with her at all because the thing that the vampires always talk about his biggest weakness is his humanity. Mm, And so mm -hmm. in this effort to just leave and not deal with her at all, he decides to save her. And, oh, and he takes her back to the the headquarters where Whistler is. We haven't even talked about Whistler yet. Whistler, his, yeah, his like uh, 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 vampire hunting old man father figure, really, that uh, makes all his toys. They're like in an old warehouse where he soups up his car and makes all his little <laughs> makes all his stakes. gadgets he gives him his uh serum, serum. that keeps him from the thirst mm-hmm. um keeps his thirst at bay and so this woman happens to be a hematologist she took in the crispy corpse of of what's his name uh, of one of the vampires from the blood rave that gets torched by blade and so mm-hmm. he's a crispy corpse undead it's brought in to autopsy and she's looking at his blood and she's like what the heck and she's bitten and she's in the headquarters with with uh blade and whistler and they try to reverse the process they're like we have this much time they don't she starts to sort of like be unwell she starts to try to cure herself and she does and in the meantime she discovers that this reaction it has to her blood turns her back but this other thing she discovers makes the blood explode for, <laughs> so, for vampires right there's like yes yeah. so they he brings that with him and they think it's his serum and so that's why they just carelessly toss it away they're like yeah we're gonna make you thirsty well they little do, do they know, know. it it's is like biological warfare yeah that can make the blood explode which is the worst thing uh that a resurrected blood god would face right that so <laughs> actual Can serum you that believe. would make your blood explode and so that's how the, the final the the great finale is him versus this blood god at the, this bottom of the temple of uh, which what, is inside of deacon frost deacon frost like becomes right. the blood god exactly yeah. offers himself up as a vessel 
um, mm-hmm. and then becomes the blood god. And the original, like I said, the the original cut was they're not well received um, and they had to change the ending because this was late nineties. The special effects couldn't quite get this scene right of a big swirling blob of blood. Yeah. uh, Which like picture that dear listeners, can you be scared of that? You can't. It's just a big swirling blob with a, like you could, if you're interested too, I, I recommend just going on YouTube and looking up the alternate ending because not only is it a swirling blob, there's also like clip art, you know saying like you'll ever get me you know stuff like that <laughs> um they like they they change that in favor of making him you know a more sinister vampire uh version of deacon which was much more successful in the the, the final confrontation of using evil uh, blood yes. juice which made him gloriously pop in such a viscera when this movie wanted to lean into its like gore and blood, like it had a lot of fun. And it I think did. for for all you gore hounds out there, those there's a lot to bite into in there. And lots of needles to just put that disclaimer out there, which I hate needles. I hate needles so much. <laughs> and I agree. There are so many needles in this movie. So take care of yourself. So take care of yourself out there. And that's um, blade one. That's... Well, in some wait, yeah, okay, no, that's Blade One. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt such a nice conclusion, but I, I, I wanted to add that it's interesting they chose to keep Deacon in Deacon form uh-huh. and keep him like, and you know, his shirt's unbuttoned and he's like in this sexy way, and then like we'll get into Blade Three where the villain, the big vampire, big bad vampire antagonist, is also like they chose like sexy guy. Yeah. Instead of his original form, which is very monstrous. So, yeah. Which is a shame. That's a shame. We want, yeah. I want monsters, which I got in spades with Blade 2. Blade 2 fucking two. rules. This movie rocks. It's the follow up 2002 film directed by Del Toro. Del mm. Toro off of directing Kronos, which is another bloody movie. And Mimic uh, came on to direct Blade 2, dude who is very specific, dark. Uh, film style and language uh it's, it was fun reading about this and how serious del toro took this and he also del toro quote said i wanted the movie to have a feeling of both a comic book and japanese animation i resurrected those sources and viewed them again i dissected most of the dailies from the first movie i literally grabbed about four boxes of tapes and one by one saw every single tape from beginning to end until i understood perfectly the language of the first film I studied the style of the first film, and I think Norrington, Steve Norrington directed the first one, sidebar, uh, used a tremendous narrative style. His work is very elegant. That's what I love about Del Toro. He's also such like a cheerleader for uh, everybody's work. Mm. Um, So that's such a nice thing to say. But also like, yeah, he like he came in to do this sequel, making sure he understood everything about it and like what he wanted to hone in on, which to to a very successful degree. I think this movie has a very like Del Toro language and what Del Toro does great is creatures and monsters. And this movie's mm-hmm. uh, Rogue's Gallery of Monsters was wonderful. My gosh. The yes. the whole thing on this one is there is a new strain of vampire uh, called Reapers, which are much more resilient. And the thing that sets them apart is not only do they feed on humans, but they can also feed on vampires. Oh, what a plague on Mm -hmm. on the vampire underworld so the vampires are now have to be concerned about this other thing coming in and so they recruit blade 
kind of like an enemy of my enemy as a friend sort of situation. Like you got to help us yes. take out the Reapers because if they take us out, then they'll take y'all at you out. Um, and so Blade reluctantly joins this uh, group of vampire hunters. Well, not even Hunt, vampires. Vampire, they were vampire hunter vampires. There we go. <laughs> vampire Reaper. No. Yeah. Hunt. Wait, how did you just phrase it? <laughs> I they they not vampire hunters. They're hunter vampires. They're hunter hunting vampires. reapers, yes. which are vampires. You got it. Reaper hunter vampires. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's interesting because okay, so this this woman Nisa mm-hmm. and this other guy Ahmad, I believe is his name, come in like little stealthy, silent bugs Assad. into the head. Assad, thank mm-hmm. you. They come in so silent to the headquarters and by the way chris christopherson mm-hmm. whistler in mm-hmm. the mo- in the first movie is killed and in the second movie we discover he was actually turned mm-hmm. and has been kept alive and tortured by the vampires and so the opening scene is a rescue mission blade goes and he gets them and we discover that he's got a new whistler this young idiot named Good. Played by Norman Reedus. <laughs> yes, excellently played. Um, and so their headquarters have been found. They come in. We think they're there to kill them. And that's when they're like, we're offering a truce. And they bring them in. And and Nisa's sort of like, I'm disappointed. Like, you came with us so easily. And he's like, yeah, but also I've got a huge bomb attached to me. So if you try anything... Kablooey. Blow you up. Yeah. <laughs> Kablooey, the whole block. <laughs> and so he's introduced to this task force, and Nisa reveals that they had been training to hunt Blade, actually. And now there's this new epidemic with the Reapers mm-hmm. and the this really old vampire who Nisa is calling father. It's her dad. And he's gooey and weird and creepy. Yeah. Not a hot, sexy vampire. And he's like, any virus evolves. This is the new evolution. And like, we have to get the population in check. Or Blade says that. I think somebody says it very threateningly. And so they team up, but Blade is like, I'm the alpha here. And Ron Perlman is who reveals himself to be very racist. Yeah. Reinhardt. Reinhardt. Yeah. I keep calling everybody by their, um, not their name. I do the same thing. I go back and forth, (laughs) whichever one comes to my mind first. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, you love the actor so much and, and you want to like credit them. Um, but he steps forward and he's like, basically trying to belittle and demean blade and blade is like go ahead go ahead and kill me and they try to get you know they get to fisticuffs and blade attaches a bomb to the back of his head yeah and is like if you don't stay in line i'll just blow you up i'll just push this button and then kablooey it's a lot of kablooey again (laughs) we're really into explosives in in blade too Um, And it's interesting because the Reaper, you know, the, the, I feel like it does what it, it's a good sequel because it's expanding the world. It's expanding the stakes. It's expanding like the weaponry yeah, and without getting like unreasonable. And the thing about the Reapers is is that they are immune to silver Mm -hmm. and they can be shot, 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 shot. And they, they just come back. And the only thing that gets rid of them is sunlight. 
Mm-hmm. And so they're really hard to kill. They keep bouncing back and they turn really quickly. They multiply very fast. And then the thing they discover is that they burn up real quick. Mm-hmm. So they must get patient zero. Jared Nomack. Yep. What a who's name. Our biggest, fattest guy. I know Jared was an interesting <laughs> choice. Like Nomack, I get that. That's a scary vampire <laughs> name, but Jared. Yeah. <laughs> Jared. Subway Jared. <laughs> Years before Subway Jared entered the picture and became a villain in real life as well. There's a documentary about him that I will not watch. I remember hearing but about anyway. that. But anyway. But yeah. So yeah. there's also a little further, because there's a there's a great dissection scene. They actually get a Reaper and they kill it and oh, they like yeah. cut it open in glorious Del Toro way. The, the viscera in this movie, 10 out of 10. Uh, this one's ooey and gooey and gross in all the best ways. Like down to even like yeah. the the reapers themselves. Not only did they bite, but like their their bottom jaw like splits bilaterally and like uh, opens up, like folds out to reveal like more like the fangs tentacles. and hooks and tentacle, Fangs. like a you know throat tentacle. Sort of, like it's gross and weird, and it like heightens and creates you know a more scary vampire and also yeah. why none of the bullets and anything works is they discovered like they have like a super hard not quite like an inner exoskeleton that like covers it's like mm-hmm. just below the skin it's like all skeleton um and yeah so and that that's, their that's heart is like encased there's like really no way to enter the heart except like one through like the side yeah which they the find almost- a blade finds a little entry guy a little little entry figure out how to get in there later (laughs) which is interesting because i guess what then is revealed is that other vampires are shot anywhere with silver and they are like chris kablooey they kablooey they burn up in a really satisfying way and it seems that only the heart of being struck by silver will kill a reaper but this is all a lot of work. The base, but the most effective way is still UV light. You know, sunlight still the big, the big no no. Yeah, and they're making all these big uh, sun. Which I was thinking about this too. And the incredible thing I love is that you know Scud has developed these little balls about the size of a pokeball, perhaps, and it yeah. can explode in it it explodes with uv light but it's bang, funny because yeah. they bring this huge case of it down with them into the sewer and i'm like how did they make all of those so fast it, well that's vampire efficiency right there that's also like what i love about this movie is that the complaints in the first one i'm like these vampires aren't very organized or create or scary or you know there's mm. i don't believe there there's really an underworld beyond this like boardroom under under this building um this one fixes that in like a really great way um i feel like that we we you know seeing all the the, this like reaper task force of vampires they're scary and effective we get all these like tricks and toys and like this hunting facility and we also you know in every sequel you got to go bigger and badder we also get another blood rave we don't quite get the like the seat the, the 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 great blood sprinklers, but we get a bigger rave. Um, and this one's uh, very nasty. Like people are cutting each other open for fun. Oh, it's like, it's it's wild. It's wild in it's there, man. Really, anything yeah, goes in this. In this rave. <laughs> but, yes, um, I love commend Del Toro in in saying like this. What what was exciting and what worked and what was the problems of the first one and like. 
honing in on what was fun. Like we loved the rave angle, but we didn't like that. Like the vampires weren't, weren't that scary. And he fixed both. He like said, yes, this, which I feel like once yeah. we got, we get to blade Trinity, the opposite happened. Like somehow we dropped all the balls. Um, oh my God. but really... yes. So in this task force, at one point they're like in the sewers, they're, they're using this, this little flashbang stuff. Uh, this un, friendly alliance between you know reinhardt and his crew and blade there's Very a lot of tensions tensions mm-hmm. at any point yeah they're Sorry. looking they're looking to 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 betray him at any moment because they still hate him you know and blade is like at one point he tells Whist because whistler's like oh, i don't know about this and blade's like i oh yeah whistler's like they're gonna betray us the first chance they get they're gonna fuck us over oh yeah so and he knows Blade is well yeah. aware. He's ahead of it. Always like, like three steps ahead. He's the Batman of vampire hunters, you know? And, but in these efforts, uh, I'm sure we're skipping a lot of plot stuff, but I'm homing in on what, like, you know, the big stuff. There is a uh, a betrayal that happens big time. We find out mm-hmm. that uh, Scud all along was actually the familiar to Nomak, is that right? Was it Nomak's familiar? Not or? to Nomak, to um something Stino, the big creepy van- the oh, father of Nisa. Yes. Damaskino. Damaskino. Big scary vampire daddy. Old Has daddy. Made scud of familiar. Vampire Gandalf is I would I would make I would draw more of a but, comparison. But bad. Yeah, real bad. Bone. So he's the familiar. Boom. Gave a little uh betrayal. And then Reinhardt is all, you know, like, ha, 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 fucking gotcha. Can you get this thing off of me? Blah, blah, blah. This, this, this bomb this on my head because, because we had you played all along. But Blade, again, Batman of Vampire, he's three steps ahead always. It's like, I knew you were trash all along. And then he blows up the familiar. <laughs> yeah. He, in a really great moment. Scud's like, that's a dud. You're an idiot. What do you think about that? And Blade's like, well, first of all, I I've been on to you since you were turned second turned into a familiar. Second uh-huh. of all, that's not a dud. And Scud says, oh great, and is blown into a million pieces <laughs> one second later, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. <laughs> There's humor in these movies too, which is which is pretty fun. Um, that again in Blade Trinity yeah. gets all wrong. You know, like you oh can't. Oh <laughs> my god, Ryan Reynolds just. But we're we're wanna... nearing. Oh, I know he. Oh, we'll get we'll get we'll to get we'll, get there. we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't get ahead of ourselves. Uh, so we get to the end of this movie, uh, where Nomak, our our Reaper patient zero, is finally getting into Damaskino, which is our vampire king's stronghold, and he's seeking revenge on Damaskino because we learn that Nomak in this virus was actually created by Damaskino. This mm. vampire world in mm. a uh, unholy test facility of, um, uh, you know, DNA splicing and, and whatever mm-hmm. naughties. And so now they want, they're trying to make them immune, trying to make them daywalkers. And now they're like, we've got your blood blade mm-hmm. and we're going to drain you and study your organs. Yep. And uh, 
and and now we're gonna have a mat like a like an amazing race of vampires who will be invincible to daylight and yeah. silver. And we get our we get our classic happened in the first one. Uh just a bloodbath for Blade to yep. supercharge, juiced up. He's drained of like all his blood. Whistler finds him and he's like, I need blood. And Whistler carries his body to a big old tub of blood and Blade oh, just yeah. soaks it all up. He heals and then he's like uh just absolutely on a war path and takes out a whole ding a whole dang. mess of them. You know, it's a, yeah. It's a it's a bloodbath. Uh but great action. Yes. Action in this movie is a lot of fun. Leading to our final confrontation between Nomak and Damaskino and Blade and Nisa. Nisa's yeah. there too, because Nisa is the daughter of Damaskino. Damaskino is killed by Nomak after failing to negotiate. The negotiations did not go well. Uh, that, that had long passed, you know? So Damaskino's gone. Nomak then bites Nisa, drinking her blood. She's out of there. And then Blade and Nomak, we engage in a final battle. Uh, which, which is so cool. Del Toro mm-hmm. uses this style. It's it's hyper realistic, so you don't mind that you can kind of see like the strings being pulled. Mm-hmm. It because they're really leaning into like how much it's been enhanced. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all almost in like CGI, but it's so good you don't mind. Right, and in yeah. the fight, we get the he finds that weak spot. He gets that he gets the, mm-hmm. the stab right under the ribs there, right, right in the in the uh-oh zone, you know, right into the in heart. The uh-oh zone. And Nomak, who's just tortured, he's been he's completed his his mission. He's he in a beautiful, sad moment completes the trajectory of the silver mm-hmm. into his little heart and is uh and is no more. And it goes night night. And who also goes night night or good morning, if you will. Uh, oh, see Nisa. what I did there. Oh, <laughs> Nisa God. is brought out to watch the sunrise as her dying wish to die a vampire. And Blade mm-hmm. is uh, left holding, uh, you know, Asha bones, which, you know, all the vampire kills. We haven't talked about this. Like whenever he kills a vampire in these movies, they like burst into like flames and like the, all the flesh and organs like burn up. And then there's left with bones and the bones kind of like crumple and ash away in like a very like stylized, very violent um, yeah. cremation, you know, event. Uh, but yeah. for Nisa, it's just kind of like a little Voldemort fading away. It, it is. It's you know? beautiful and tragic. And, and real it's, sad. It's, yeah, it's really sad. Because there aren't many like romantic plot lines in one and two or three, really. And it's and there's like light suggestion. There's a little tension between these women he teams up with. but. Yeah. It's something about this one was really sad because you're left with like what could have been. You're like, oh, she was really like speaking to his a different part of Blade and some of this. She had made him realize some things he hadn't before. And it's a real you you're left feeling like that's a real shame that she yeah. got she got what toasted. What could have been, you know? What could have been tragedy. Such as the mark so of like the end. Of, it makes me think of the end of. Have you seen Thirty Days of Night? I feel like it was like a very similar ending. Oh no, no. Where I, uh, well, I feel I just ruined the end of Thirty Days of Night then for you. <laughs> but they, 
uh, yeah, they like you know to to uh, uh, would be lovers are like you know watching the sunrise, and one turn you know is a vampire and has to like but chooses this death because he doesn't want to be a vampire, you know. And so the sunrise burns him away. Wow, what an image! Anyway, I also love that this movie is largely set and is shot in Prague. Prague is such a great vampire city. Good Ooh, stuff. Yeah. Any you know? like old European city. Is, Good stuff. Makes it a little more spooky, a little more. This movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see what we got for the production side of it. It was largely took place and filmed in Czech Republic in Prague with a little bit of London in there. Wesley Snipes said this about stepping back into the blaze shoes says it was a challenge. He says, quote, I love playing this role. It's fun as an actor to test your skills at doing a sequel to see if you can recreate something you did. Um, Mm. And also producer Peter Frankfurt added that quote, Wesley is blade. So much of the character was created by Wesley and his instincts are so spot on. He takes his fighting, his weapons and attitude very seriously. He's incredibly focused, but he's also very cool and fun, which I think is a spot on um, description of Wesley Snipes in the first two blade movies. Um, I think he it is is clearly having a lot of fun. It is Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, and he continues to mm-hmm. be Blade in the third movie, but we'll talk about some behind-the-scenes woes yeah. that led to a bummer reception. But Blade 2 was the highest-grossing one of all three of them. Oh, um, that feels right. It came out and made $80 million <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> in the U.S. and $150 million worldwide. Oh, uh, so it with a, I think it was like a $54 million budget. So that was good news for them. Rotten Tomatoes, who cares about them? But they got 50%, 57%. Oh, uh, that's not right. That's not right. Who cares? Uh, but Roger Ebert gave it a good three and a half stars out of four, saying Blade 2 is rather brilliant vomitorium of viscera, a comic book with dreams of becoming a textbook for mad surgeons, which I agree with that review. I think yeah. it is. I think the most fun of this movie is in its like over the top, like you said, viscera of gore and and, and creature effects and action. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's a these movies are still Marvel movies, and I think yeah, I think the fun fact very much there. And this is before we'll we'll get like a you know a universal Marvel language that has now been made with the, the cinematic Marvel universe, which was very successful. Uh, but also like this movie wouldn't exist in that world, even though we're now going to get like a Blade version of that, which I guarantee you will be probably really watered down. Um, it mm. will not be what we get in this but i'm still looking forward to it we'll see i doubt it'll be r-rated fun fest that these movies are but and i think i feel like i read somewhere that it's like they're having trouble getting started they're having production woes for sure yeah they've lost a director already yeah we'll we'll talk after we get blade trinity we'll talk about the future of blade movies and we'll we'll get there we'll keep it in order so that's blade two it's the best one in the franchise easy according to brian According to me. Now we get, we're going to jump forward two years to 2004, where things are very different. We are in a post 9 11 world now. Everyone is making cringe jokes. And there's Dane Cook is hot right now. And, oh. and Blade <laughs> Trinity is coming in to like 
emulate that time. Mm. And that's where we get Blade Trinity. We get uh, this movie that was directed by David Esquire instead of just written by David wrote all three of them, but he finally directed the third one is a bummer, bummer of a script. I did not note that Del Toro and Steve Norrington, who directed the first one, were both uh, offered their advice on on some stuff in the movie. David Del Toro did some conceptual artwork for the film and was thanked at the end credits. Um, mm. But this movie was uh, was a tough one behind the scenes for sure. Do you want to, because you sent me this article about like what was all the, the, yeah. the woes behind the scenes. You want You want to start us off, take it from here? Oh, sure. And this is, you know, again, I'm like, I back Wesley Snipes in this. And I'm not saying it wasn't difficult or, you know, it's always hard. I want to be careful calling any actor difficult, especially like a black man on a set with, I'm sure, primarily white people, because Mm -hmm. that is something he mentioned that there wasn't. He was told there would be efforts made to diversify the cast and the crew. And that was not so. And there was just this weird, I think, like, It sounds like Ryan Reynolds could have been more professional. His character is constantly making jokes. Mm -hmm. And apparently so was Ryan Reynolds. Mm. And there's conjecture. It's like some people are like Wesley Snipes was in character the whole time. And it was and he wouldn't come out of his trailer until it was a close up. I think he was just not having a good time. He was not happy with the script. And neither was Chris Christopherson, Mm -hmm. uh, who's Whistler. You know, there was a belief Wesley Snipes was sort of like, I feel like this movie exists to have Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds have spinoffs for themselves, which, you know, maybe I want to honor that that felt very real for Wesley Snipes, even if it, you know, I don't, it's clearly wasn't true. There were no spinoffs, but who knows? So I, and, and honestly, like David Goyer has since said this was one of the most painful experiences of his life. He would never do another Blade movie because of this. But I'm like, you, I'm just so mad at the script he gave us that I'm like, you deserve what you got there. I don't know. Like, it, it's it's so bad. It's so bad. Ryan Reynolds, I think, was a mistake. Yeah. He's just absolutely obnoxious he's very much like trying to like like form what would eventually be deadpool in a movie that like Mm -hmm. did not need a deadpool (laughs) you know is my opinion it it was supposed to be a comic relief but this is a time like i I gave a hint like with the the dane cook bit that like a lot of dick jokes in this movie you know like a lot of and like most of them do not land it's in in the like pause for like facial reactions and like feel like there should be like a laugh track in this movie <laughs> i made that comment you know it's it's weird yeah. and it doesn't work in fact like i think we were watching it together and i i do want to highlight triple h in this movie wrestler who his comic timing actually has got his his small role like expanded um in this movie because he is the one actor in this movie that actually made a dick joke land and like i lost it so hard at one point ryan um, for like the 18th time makes some sort of joke i don't know i'm going on this dick ramp right now but he makes this joke about like, talk, talking to triple h i know for a fact your dog has a bigger dick than you and then triple h this big dude comes in hot and says what did you see my dick before and then kicks him like the delivery of that line killed me so seeing this like behemoth of a man you know get just so offended and like by this juvenile line and coming in, back like- <laughs> 
back with logistics. Yeah. Like, like when did you see it? <laughs> there is no way you have seen this before. You know, <laughs> that genuinely got a chuckle for me. And it's just, it's so funny that like, but yeah, largely yeah. the comedy in this movie does not work. And that's Wesley even said in in a, uh, a reason why he didn't uh, like the script was he thought all the humor was very juvenile, which absolutely, mm-hmm. my God, it felt like this yeah. was written by uh, a 14-year-old boy and, and not good ways. Yes. Well, and you realize then that like in one and two, people were having fun what they were doing with with what they were doing. And and somehow that was lost in three. And I think because it took itself so seriously mm-hmm. and relied on only on Ryan Ryan Reynolds' character for yep. humor. Yeah. Which was a, a disastrous mistake. Yeah. Did not work. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe it came off a little better at the time when people were laughing at this kind of humor, but like in hindsight, yeah. watching it crickets, it's, it's kind of, it's, it, uh, as it the kids say, well. it's cringe, you know, <laughs> cringe. yes, it, it's very like one and two are so timeless. And this one is very dated mm-hmm. down Which, to the, down to the hip huggers on Jessica Beale. My God. It's wild. That was those low rise, man. <laughs> Which we had the conversation of like the the year before she did Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, and so this was like mm. peak low rise Jessica Biel, <laughs> you know that peak like low rise <laughs> Jessica Biel, <laughs> yes. you know? um, and it's the first time the the male gaze really enters this trilogy, right? And it, it because you know she's in like it, like midriff is bared, tight leather vest, you know it's really disappointing. I gotta say. Gotta say, but I mean, like a costume aside, she's having fun of it. Her action's really cool. I did enjoy it that. Is. I'll give, I'll Very give, true. you know, kudos where it's deserved. And also, uh, Parker Posey in this movie playing a villain, having incredible, a <laughs> yeah. like, and she even says in one of these behind the scenes, uh, like interviews that, like, what was it like working, you know, on the set? And she was like, I, I came on to do this goofy, over the top comic book movie and i had a blast it was just a shame that wesley was not having a blast mm-hmm. and i paraphrase there but it's the gist of uh, what she was kind of getting at and I, it shows in the movie she's like over the top she's given a, a an 11 performance you know <laughs> <laughs> she really is uh, she took the opportunity like she says like i don't get to do these roles like i don't i'm not the type and so to do this it's like a real thrill you know, and she, when did Scream 2, no, Scream 3, excuse me. When did Scream 3 come out? When did she do that role? Um, I can tell you that right now. Scream 3 was 2000, uh, end, 2000. <laughs> <laughs> so she had done, and and like, yeah, she has a way of like really making up for a lot in a movie. I just will, I love, I do love Parker Posey. I think she's a genius. Same. And we got a little tease. Well, we, we just had our Scream 6 episode, which we did not bring this part up. But now that oh. you're here, we can bring this up that there is a tease in, it. in Scream 6 that she may still be she may still be out mm-hmm. there in that like movie theater where the big you know ghost face shrine is on the, the marquee. It does say Jennifer Jolie, which is Parker Posey's character. Um and it, like has a new movie coming out. So who can say it also like it was an old movie theater. So maybe that was from a long time ago, you know, and, but it, it, 
Oh, uh, true. Just like in the 2022 Scream movie, how they teased Kirby in like one of the YouTube like recommend yes. like related and there videos. Was a missing poster somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Now that we have Jenner Chili, I just think it's like they did it before they teased and then they brought it back. So maybe maybe we get another yeah. Posey. Fingers crossed. It's an Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> or to know if it's a tribute or foreshadowing. Yeah, that's what we'll find out. Next oh, my, time my... on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Parker Posey. My, I, I won't share. I, this feels like too much of a tangent, but a friend of mine did meet Parker Posey on the street. And it, I think it's app. It was an absolutely hilarious encounter and lived up to who you would think Parker Posey would be when you meet her. That's, that's so nice. That's glad to hear. It is. <laughs> <That> makes me <laughs> yeah. happy. <laughs> Yeah, she's absolute, and her costuming was like insane and fun, and and uh, yeah, just really, you're glad to see her. Natasha Leone plays a blind woman. I don't think she would do that now. Nope. Uh, and it was a different time. People weren't aware that they, sh- uh, sh- for some reason, we you know they shouldn't do that. Not for some reason they shouldn't do that. For some reason, people were not aware that they yeah. shouldn't do yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. And so, and I don't really even know why she had to be blind. It, there's a one part where they make it very creepy that, you know, in this, in Blade Trinity, beginning of the movie, Dracula's unearthed. Um, the first, yep. very first vampire. He's retreated from a world he hates. And the vampires find him because, again, they're on a crusade to make a da- daywalker race of vampires. And Drake, and, yeah. as they call him, can be, he is immune to sunlight and so he's walking around and there's a part where he breaks into the new headquarters and is just creeping around and Natasha Leone is walking around in the dark and has no idea he's there that's really the only reason I can think that they wanted her to be blind um, yeah uh didn't land yeah. didn't you know no. using like a disability to define a character you know uh Mm-mm. not good but uh your little your synopsis of like how we got to that point is is, is largely the movie it's we get you know <laughs> dracula's back and we got a new group of vampire hunters called night stalkers which consists of jessica beale and ryan reynolds we learn because mm-hmm. in this movie whistler's killed for real at the beginning their location is compromised because the vampires have figured out they don't have to hunt him they can turn humans against him by framing him for murder he's a wanted man Mm -hmm. he's captured by the police and he is rescued by none other than ryan reynolds and whistler played Mm -hmm. by jessica biel who we discover is whistler's daughter yep and ryan reynolds having used to have been a familiar or a vampire which one it was a familiar vampire right? it was a vampire Vamp- no. okay he was familiar turn no not familiar no prisoner turned vampire tortured let loose and then cured and then cured okay yeah um and so he also doesn't like vampires oh yeah the whole the whole lot of them they don't like vampires and so they're hunting now this drake which mm. is just funny, like how they just Dracula. Who like it's funny because he like really Dracula Drake doesn't really give a shit about anybody. Like he's not very threatening. No, he sort of is just like a menace. A like hates really hates vampires and what they've become. Hates yeah. like modern day, 
hates like <laughs> that scene that you described. It was very weird. He walks into like a vampire paraphernalia shop. Yeah, like a little like, goth, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> shop. And the 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 two people in it, the the store worker and one of the patrons of this uh, exclusively vampire store. Like this is this is a goth store, and the two patrons are clearly goth um, people. Look at this actual vampire lord coming through the door, and their first reaction is like, "Freak," you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, like it just feels like it's so just take a second thinking about this scene writing it you know just like take a step back and go like maybe they wouldn't (laughs) cast out what they're you know like idolizing i don't know you know and i guess it's like not clear he's a vampire but he's just a guy you know yeah he's walking around in like a leather coat he's just asking questions about the shop yeah and then yeah and they're both like he might not be like an eyeliner and chains but like i wouldn't say he's not themed dressed you know like coming in he looks plenty freaky right you know he looks eccentric he looks he doesn't not belong in this shop and yeah they're both like (laughs) you wouldn't get it you know (laughs) scene just bugs me of like It fucks me too. And I do, I do just have to say that this is one of the most upsetting moments where a vampire bites somebody. It it I really didn't like how they did this one. Again, just like the male gaze. Mm-hmm. He like it's a little gratuitous because the one guy gets tossed out the window, but this woman that's in there is like, you know, content warning. It's just like a little bit forceful. Yeah. He's like throws her on this chair, like really restrains her really is she's like in a very vulnerable position it was just really gross to me and upsetting in a way that like again like what you were saying this veer into like torture porn of like Mm -hmm. we're just gonna make this nasty for how nasty we can make it you know yeah yeah which again we we just learned from two you can have so much fun with that like my gosh like The Evil Dead franchise has made a name for this movie. You can have like a whole splatter stick movie. Like you can make it like so fun while being like the the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. You know, I, it was something that I feel like a lot of it, especially at this time, uh, it was just a very angry time. Um, And it was, it's always fun how like art imitates life and vice versa and how it like comes through and, and especially hearing all the back behind the scenes stuff about this movie, like no one in the movie seemed thrilled other than Parker Posey. She's having a great time, you know, like yeah. thrilled that they're doing this movie. <laughs> and like, it, it kind of came through in the acting and the directing. And like, the, it was just kind of like a bummer of all around movie. All around. Yeah. Yeah. It lost the creative exercise aspect and just became like a sadistic exercise. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's really severe to say. It was just so much less fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got to a final confrontation, which is, you know, we got some fun fights, yeah. you know, Blade, which I thought was the most interesting part of it. Blade at one point finds a blood farm of a bunch of like, they basically like freeze dried all these, you know, humans um, yeah. and they're just like keeping them brain dead, but alive so they can like harvest their blood. I was like, this is interesting, scary mm-hmm. angle, but it all just like kind of amounts to blade, just like turning off all the life support systems and going, 
no more. And then they move on with the plot. Um, yeah, really kind of like comes out of nowhere. Interesting because like, I wonder why they didn't do more with that. And they kind of just made this plot the exact same as two where they're yeah. like trying to be day walkers. Yeah. Yeah. Which should be a cool thing, dude. I get it. If you're a vampire, you want to see, you want to, you want to hang out at 2 PM. You can't, you know, <laughs> you're out of sunblock and you want to hang out at 2 PM. <laughs> How how convenient! <laughs> got no more copper tone. You are just like SOL. You got. Um, I guess that's it. You can't buy sunscreen at night. It's hard to get. Absolutely can't buy. Wayne reads are night. open twenty four seven. Like you could. No, but they don't sell it at night, Brian. <laughs> they don't. That's why familiars. That's why they. That's their whole purpose doing the grocery shopping. Exactly. So Drake in this final confrontation finally turns into uh, the the big vampire lord we were waiting for because they tease it at the beginning and I'm like that's a cool creature and then like they keep him in um, hot guy form the whole time and I'm like but go back go back to the cool creature, creature mode mm-hmm. yeah doesn't get there until the end and. The, the movie kind of ends on a, like a whimper. I'm like trying to remember what happens. Like Blade escapes, you know, Drake dies. Yeah, that's so true. And there's this weird moment where here's the thing I don't get a logistical thing. So Drake this whole time has been a shapeshifter. He can be look like any person. Yeah. And he has been killed in this final battle. Um, this oh this pathogen that the night stalkers have been working on to like kill vampires yep has been released this like one vial that they had of it that they like have to at least try because it's their only weapon to really vanquish drake it's unleashed um he dies from it and then like wesley snipes is also like just uh, utterly exhausted from this battle royale and Ryan Reynolds, Jessica Beale reach him. We assume he's taken away because like the FBI comes in and all they find is Drake's body. Right. But then flash forward to this like morgue. Autopsy. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. yeah, Blade's body's there to be autopsied. And then it turns back into Drake. So I don't understand. I don't understand. I think it's a because at the end when we, we talked about it, when you know uh, uh, Dracula Drake is is unimpressed with what vampires have become, and so in this fight against Blade, he remarks that Blade fought honorably, and like if he if Blade's going to be the future of the vampire race, I think the like the body switch was just like a last little let me help you out a little bit, you know, a little boon as a way of like honoring this honorable opponent that he fought against. That's essentially what the Wikipedia says about it. So I don't know if that actually comes through, but that's what Wikipedia says. I get that that's what they were going for, but I'm bothered. Listen, the logistics. We don't see Blade's body. We only see Drake's body. And are we saying that Drake post-posthumously turned into Blade? That's what I don't get. Who knows how vampire lords do what they do? You know, like this. I think it would I think it would have been cooler if in that big bird's eye shot, we see Blade's body and we're like, oh, fuck, maybe he died. And then we don't see Drake's body. You know, I'm just like a real simple thing like that would have been some cool storytelling. 
It's another way this movie failed me, Brian, and it's yeah. not going to escape my scrutiny. You might have been more satisfied with one of the alternate endings and one <gasps> in the alternate unrated extended edition. The body in the morgue does not transform back into Drake. It was actually Blade that was retrieved, but he awakens on during the autopsy and, and attacks the doctors and the FBI agents. Um, oh. And quote the scene, quote from Wikipedia, the scene ends as he menacingly approaches a cowering orderly, which like also doesn't like oh, go with what go Blade. Humans. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so they, they explain yeah. it that like the virus that killed all the other vampires only put him comatose because he was only half vampire, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another alternate ending where the Night Stalkers appear six months later, having tracked down a werewolf to a casino in Asia. Which I oh my god why would <laughs> which they Wesley had made this comment too of his dissatisfaction with the third movie he felt this movie was more of a vehicle to make spinoff movies with Ryan Reynolds and yes Jessica that's Beale. what I and yeah, that that I alternate ending is very much probably hinting at more from them they're like they're gonna keep hunting you know yes so that was a very justified worry I think from Wesley Snipes or um. Sort of like an in- a slight. I would feel very slighted by that. I agree. I agree. It's a shame that this movie turned out what it was because there was so many like what could have been. Like there was a uh, talks of a crossover movie between Underworld with Kate Beckinsale and this in the Blade movie. Mm-hmm. It, that didn't happen. I, I had the thought when where I was watching them like that would be a fun crossover movie between these two because they're all they're both kind of doing similar stuff. It didn't work out because the film business is what it is. What a bummer, you know, <laughs> it's like bummer. bummer ideas aren't <laughs> what gets made. It's like, let's get this focus group on what sells and we'll make that movie, which I, I, I think that movie would have sold. So if I even, that even checks your box. Anyway, you want to hear about my rant about the film industry and why I love to scream six. You can listen to our <laughs> previous episode. Um, Future of blade coming down the pipeline. We got a new, cause blade is part of the Marvel universe. There was uh, a prequel trilogy that was tentatively planned in 20, 2008, and the director of the first movie, Steve Norrington, was was directing, trying to get a prequel trilogy going, featuring Deacon Frost coming back um, in his little uprising. But that didn't happen because Marvel Studios is like, no, we got plans for him. Uh, this was 2008. We're 2023. <laughs> so... We still haven't made the plans happen, but they're in motion right now with Mahershala Ali coming into the title character. Producer Kevin Feige, our godfather of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, said that the Blade reboot was planned to be part of Marvel's Phase 5. We're currently in Phase 4. And said that the reboot would be rated PG-13 instead of an R rating, which... There you go. It's going to be, which, I mean, you can get away with quite a bit, you know, with PG-13. You don't have to do it, but I just think the fun of these movies is, at least the first two, is like the, it had a dark attitude. Oh, Um, yeah. So we'll see. That's what gave us the line in the first one. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. (laughs) Uphill, yeah. Like, you can't (laughs) say that in this one, you know. You lose something. You like it's. It's hard to have. This is. This is maybe a longer discussion and not even a particularly unique opinion. But it's hard to have like an, an identity within the Marvel universes because you have to fit into the big Patrick quilt. You can't be too different, you know. And if you are too different, yeah. people usually reject it, you know, or love mm-hmm. it. Uh, so yeah, I I I worry about Blade, but I celebrate. 
what Wesley Snipes was able to do with the first for this trilogy. I mean, even the third one, we got it out the door. We got we got a we got a third one, um, even if it was a horrible filming experience from everybody involved. It sounds like there was still some fun stuff in there, and and it really was what a snapshot of a very particularly angry, cringe time. <laughs> you know, uh, so cringe. Wow. That's when reality TV also still had a death grip on us. Death and grip. I think that says a lot. Do you think it still does? Like maybe more than ever now, now that like all these streaming well, networks can just pump them out. Here's the sad thing, Brian. I think we're about to exit the golden age of TV for a little bit with this like, writer strike. strike coming. Yeah. I think they're only going to be doing reality TV again for a while. And maybe in another 10 or 20 years, we'll have another golden age. Who knows? Hey, people, dude. I had I had I had this shout out to my mama. She listens to this episode. Aww. Love you, mom. Uh, we had this great talk the other day on the phone of just being like, just just problems with money in this world, you know, and like yeah. layoffs that are happening and, and across the board. And but people at the top getting their bonuses, they're good. You know, it's all about like the bottom line, and all yeah. of us, all of us uh, peasants at the bottom just get to like we can make podcasts and say we're angry, but. What's going to change? Anyway, check out our 1% horror episode that we made a couple of years ago. <laughs> Me and Wallace wonder, actually talk about that. I'm trying to remember if it was you who said this, who I learned it from, that like these cycles of like when zombies are really popular versus when vampires are really popular. Were mm-hmm. you telling me this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, zombies are, like, yeah, that, that during Democrat uh, presidencies, vampires are very popular. And when it's a conservative, um administrations it's usually zombies are very popular and i i can't remember uh beyond that i can't remember uh what what the thinking was beyond maybe just that whatever superficially you get from that that description um yeah but it was an interesting article that i had i read about that i wonder if it's you know with vampires it's sort of like an awareness of a large body sucking the life out of a uh or maybe i guess like a small body of people sucking life out of a large group you know or or the other side too can look at it as like some parasites you know sucking all of your resources you know Um, like your encounter with someone who thought parasite was about um the working class sucking the life out of i told that story so many times and i was just i was the working class at that that party where i heard them you know these these rich people talking about like wow it's like that's not what that movie was that's not it dude and also like i remember that when the movie it's funny we're talking about parasite but reading an interview with the director and, and they were asked like how does it feel to make this movie that like around the world was so well received and like reacted to? And he's like, I just made this movie about South Korea. Like this was just, if this is a worldwide, like everybody was agreeing that that, like, that's a bigger issue that I wasn't talking about, but like uh, it's sobering to hear that everybody is feeling that, you know, it is. Yeah. Anyway, vampires, those blood sucking bummers, except when they're not, I, you know, not, Except for they're not. I feel like of all the like the the villains, monsters out there in the canon of of human lore and everything, I still think the vampire would probably be the easiest one to do. And then there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of gups. You know, you can't go outside during the day and you got to drink blood, but like you can work around that. It's a lot better than being like a zombie or being like oh, like a Wendigo yeah. or being like a you know like in the 
or, or ghost and you're stuck in the same room. You know, I, I look at, I think about this a lot, <laughs> as you can tell. that No, it's um, interesting because there's and, an amount of control. Certainly what we do in the shadows makes it really seem really fun to be a vampire. <laughs> yeah. That like, if, if I, you know, you get to live forever, you get to see a lot. You just got to drink blood forever. Got to drink blood. But like, what an experience to have. Right. You know, you no longer need food or water or sunlight. That's kind of interesting. Maybe like no aches or pains ever in your whole life. Right. Get to heal Um, real quick. Little paper cuts aren't aren't that big of a deal. You can probably fly, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on, yeah. (laughs) Depending on which universe you're in. Yeah, which makes it like I'd love to find like a group. So going back to Vampire the Masquerade earlier, it's like tabletop mm. RPG of getting like a campaign going and getting like a group of because they have like different kinds of vampires too that you can be. Each have their own little perks and downfalls, and um, it's fun. It's fun. It anyway, fun. Blade. This was a lot of fun to talk about, and we went a it lot was. more in depth than I thought. This is this is a great. Yeah. Sorry. I hope that's okay. We got all the time in the world. This is the Happy Harvest Horror Show. We love talking about things that are spooky and we love talking about it. Like, so it's like, I feel like this podcast is, is, is all about just talking about things we like, you know, and we could spend as much time as we want doing that. And I'm glad you are able to come on today and talk about things. Me too. Thank you. And shout out to Walls for letting me use her mic. Yeah. Um, This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So it was a real honor to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And for everybody listening, glad. Thank you for joining us. So happy Harvest Horror Show. In addition to the podcast and our book club, we are dipping our toes into a little bit of merch here soon. And we're making some fun, spooky year-round candles. Uh, and this is this is the tease. And this is the fun. Uh, we're bringing it up today because Glenna, in addition to being a vampire enthusiast and an actor and an artist, she's also a wonderful collage artist and has created the art for our candles. And it's fire. The, the candle art is so fun. I'm very grateful oh. you were able to make them. And uh, how long, have, I guess, before we leave, you know, let's talk a little bit about your art. Uh, how long have you been doing collage art? Oh, like sure. Yeah, I'll give a quick little rundown. And if you want to check it out, my handle is Glurba the Great on Instagram. I actually, when I came to New York, the first therapist I found happened to be an art therapist. And when I started my sessions, we and we got into the art aspect. I was trying drawing and getting really frustrated by it. And then one day in her office, she got out collage materials and I just like really felt my way through putting something together. And she was like, you did that real fast. You knew exactly where you wanted each thing. Let's stick with collage. And it really has blossomed since then. I'm a hoarder for beautiful images. I have a dresser full of magazines. My closet's bursting. It's a real problem and a real beautiful thing. And uh, I really enjoy it. I hope to make a tarot deck at some point. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so, That'd be so good. Yeah, I really, I've only got about like 17 images of 78 made, but you know, things take time. I know a lot of artists who spend like four years on making a deck. So it just takes the time it takes. That's what it takes. Thank you for letting me share that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And those candles will be available here soon. We're working on getting uh, a site for us to like actually sell those and you can get your hands on one. But in the meantime, if you want to, 
Uh, get one there, $25, and you can hit me up at Happy Harvest Horror Show on Instagram. And you can also go to Glurber the Great's Instagram um, to take a look at the art yourself uh, because it is it is really wonderful. I remember coming to you with the art idea and being like, this is what I'm thinking, and getting it back, being kind of blown away. like, Wow, I, just, I can't believe it. Um, and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we'll do a little something again in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, but yeah. it's, um, it's the, just the beginning. Just the beginning. So I'm very excited for this new like adventure. And thank you for doing the art. And thank you for coming on and talking about Blade with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. It was a blast. Again, we're the Happy Harvest Horror Show. We talk our favorite spooky stuff. Today we were talking Blade. And stick around for our next time. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, please just go to the Happy Harvest Horror Show Instagram. Our link tree is there and all our support links you can find. And supporting us gets access to our book club where we meet every week. Every Sorry, every week. We read a lot of books. Uh, We meet every month to discuss a new spooky book. And keep an eye out on our Instagram for the announcement of our next book. Because we're about to discuss this one in like three days. So might have missed this one. But um, (laughs) (laughs) until next time, stay spooky, everybody. Bye. Bye.